0: Good morning, and happy Memorial Day weekend to each of you. We do appreciate the sacrifice of so many in our country. Um, I uh, am grateful uh, that we get a chance uh, to freely meet together, uh, to uh, read God's word out loud, uh, to meet together freely, and to uh, worship God together. Uh, We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 3 this morning. Uh, I'm going through this sermon series that's all about character, and that character truly does matter. And what does it mean this morning? Uh, we're going to talk about what it means to be compassionate, and why that's so very important. Uh, so let's begin uh, by wording, uh, reading reading the words of 1 Peter 3, 8 through 9. He writes, finally, all of you, live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic, love as brothers, be compassionate, be humble, and do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing, because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. Let's, let's pray together. God, we are just really grateful for the blessings that you have given us, and the ability to bless others, and through, through your Son, Jesus Christ, we are reminded what it means to be compassionate. And I pray, Father, that as we talk this morning, that your, your spirit of wisdom and truth will guide the way. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Most of us here this morning are very familiar with the the parable of the Good Samaritan, right? Jesus tells the story of a man who was robbed and beaten and he was left to die. And two good church folk, the priest and the Levi, they saw the man sitting there, lying there in pain, and they passed over to the other side. But it was the Samaritan, the ones that the Jews despised. The Samaritan who saw the man lying there, he had compassion on him, and he helped. Well, I read a story about a couple professors, seminary professors, who wanted to replicate this story for their students. So John Darley and Daniel Batson decided to introduce a few variables to this story, These seminarians were interviewed and asked, why do you want to go into ministry? And and most of them had all kinds of variety of responses, but they all could be summarized in this short sentence. We want to help people. So they were asked to prepare a short sermon. Half of them they asked to preach on the Good Samaritan, and the other half they picked a couple other topics. Finally... They were told to go to the other building on the other side of campus to present their sermons. Along the way, the researchers had strategically positioned an actor in the alley to play the part of a man who had been mugged, just like Jesus' story. He was slumped over, groaning loudly enough for passerbyers to hear. And these two professors, they hypothesized that those who said they wanted to go into ministry to help people... And those who prepared the sermon on the Sermon on the Mount, or the, I'm sorry, the Good Samaritan, that they would probably stop and help. But what they did was they threw one more variable in. The half of those folks, they told him, You're already late. They were expecting you five minutes ago. To the other half, he said, You're early. Take your time and make your way over to the other side of campus. How many in here are interested in the results? One out of 10, 10% of the students who were in a hurry stopped to help. Six out of 10, 63% of those who weren't in a hurry stopped to help. In fact, one of those seminary students who said, I'm in ministry to help people, was preaching on the Good Samaritan, but was also late, actually stepped over the individual who was acting like he was hurt. The only thing that mattered, it seemed like, was whether or not they were in a hurry. And so they concluded, the words, you're late, had the effect of making someone who was ordinarily compassionate into someone who was indifferent to suffering. In the book, Compassion, a Reflection on the Christian Life, the authors write that compassion is neither our central concern nor our primary stance in life. What we really desire is to make it in life. What we really desire is to get ahead, to be first, maybe even to be different. We want to forge our identities by carving out for ourselves riches in this life where we can maintain a safe distance from one another. We don't aspire to suffer with others. On the contrary, we develop methods and techniques that allow us to stay away from others' pain. We must realize and recognize that we are more competitive than we are compassionate. I think the authors might be on to something here. We need to do better when it comes to compassion. Peter uh, gives us, I think, a few ideas of what might help us do just a little bit better. Notice that first he says that compassion involves a desire for harmony, unity, if you will. He said you should be uh, harmonious with one another, sympathetic, and to live in harmony with one another. He says that we are to be a blessing to one another. We must have a desire to find wholeness within our communities. Did you know the first word used to describe compassion was the Hebrew word Raham. That we translate compassionate. but the noun the verb and the adjective form of this word are all related to the Hebrew word "rechem." That word means womb. Is there a better metaphor for compassion than a mother who is selfishly feeding, nourishing, and caring for her child in the womb? Her body is naturally working towards wholeness for both the mother and the child. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, Jesus said that when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were helpless and they were harassed. They were like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus saw these crowds and he saw men and women who were being exploited by the religious authorities, right? They were being exploited through uh, unachievable rules. They were being exploited through favoritism for the rich. And they were being extorted by the Roman government, mistreated by the Roman soldiers. They were being taxed beyond reason by the Roman tax collectors. They were scattered like sheep in their world. And Jesus had a deep desire for unity under his rule in the new kingdom of God. Compassion means that we have to open up our eyes and see men and women and children in the same way that Jesus did. Secondly, I believe that compassion involves... Listening to our neighbors. Compassion involves listening to our neighbors. I read a great definition of compassion this week that says that compassion is suffering with our neighbors. Suffering with our neighbors. Open your eyes and see the need for compassion, but then open your ears and listen. You remember, Jesus gave, or John gave us a good example of Jesus listening and having compassion. Uh, listen to this story in John chapter 5. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. It was one of those festivals, we're told. Now, there was in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was with, uh, one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there, he learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, and he asked them, do you want to get well? Well, sir, he said. I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. And while I'm trying to get in, someone else goes ahead of me. And Jesus said, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And at once, the man was cured, and he picked up his mat and walked. I don't think Jesus was sarcastically asking him this question. Do you even want to get healed? I'm more interested in the man's responses. He never said yes. All he had was excuses. But those excuses spoke to his heart. I'm all by myself. I'm alone in this world. All these other folks who are paralyzed... I've watched them for 38 years. They have a loved one that will pick them up and put them in the pool. It takes me a long time. And we all know the legend. The first one to get in that pool, they're the ones that get healed. And so there's always someone who thinks they need it more than me. And they're the ones that get in before me. He had all kinds of excuses, but those excuses spoke to his heart. And Jesus... Listened. We didn't see an ounce of faith in this man, did we? And Jesus doesn't correct him. We didn't even hear him say yes. And yet Jesus listened to what the man was going through and said, get up, take your mat, you're healed. Praise God that Jesus listened and healed. And so it is important for us to listen. Uh, Jessica and I, we like to frequent a restaurant in town, and we always ask for the same waitress. Uh, This past week, I remember she wasn't really on her game. Uh, Something was up. Uh, I didn't say anything, but my wife, I think she has like a sixth sense uh, intuition about this kind of thing, and she did ask. She said, hey, is you okay? Is Is everything all right? And she responded, well, my aunt is in the hospital. I sat with her last night. I'm incredibly exhausted just worrying about her. And all of a sudden, service didn't seem so slow, did it? All of a sudden, we didn't need anything at all. But just then, the host sat down someone in her section The height of the table was wrong for them. Didn't have the cleanliness that they wanted. And I watched as they berated this woman and I just wanted to stand up and say, would you just listen to her story and maybe you might have some compassion. Isn't that what compassion does? When you see the needs, when you see people who are suffering, but you also listen to their suffering. And really, then you can truly have compassion. But I noticed one more thing in the passage that was very important. He said to be humble and not to repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but blessing. Always with blessing. I think he's saying that we're to forgive. That compassion involves Forgiveness. And as I was researching this topic of compassion, you know what kept coming up over and over again? Forgiveness. For example, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32 says, Be kind and compassionate to to one another. What does he say? Forgiving each other, just as Christ Jesus forgave you. Be compassionate and forgive. In Colossians 3, Paul writes, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness, with patience, and do what? Bear with each other. Forgive one another. If any of you have any grievances, forgive as God forgave you. I think... That compassion comes from the overflow of the heart. And what happens when you don't forgive? It's bitterness, right? It affects your heart negatively. Bitterness causes that kind of pain that keeps you from being compassion. I don't know who said this, but I love it. Forgiveness doesn't excuse their behavior. Forgiveness prevents their behavior from destroying your heart. Forgiveness doesn't excuse someone's behavior. Forgiveness prevents you from destroying your heart. I read a story this week about Brenda. Brenda was a patient at a hospital. And she became a paraplegic because of a few unfortunate mistakes by the spinal surgeon. She was driven by anger. She was driven by bitterness. And it made her an incredibly unhappy and depressed woman. But Brenda, in her unhappy state, read a little book about a Jesus who forgives. And it changed her life. She decided that she would embrace forgiveness. And you know what happened? She was transformed. Instead of being driven by bitterness, she then chose to have an overwhelming love and compassion for others who were wheelchair-bound. And she took her hate, she took her bitterness, she removed it and focused her attention on helping others who were wheelchair-bound. She says that she became happier in a wheelchair than she ever was walking. Forgiveness unlocked compassion in her life. And it changed her forever. So I believe Peter is encouraging us to be compassionate. Would you consider this morning how you can be transformed by compassion as well? Imagine our community that is driven by compassion and love. Driven by seeking unity. Driven by listening to our neighbors. Driven by being transformed through forgiveness. Let's be driven by Jesus who in an act of compassion gave his life on the cross. Will you consider your life? I want to invite you this morning as we sing the next song to go to one of these three corners and take the cup and hold the bread and the juice, and we'll take these emblems together as we consider the sacrifice that Jesus made. Let's pray. Father God, I'm so, so very grateful that you had compassion on me. I'm grateful that through your forgiveness, I'm given new life. And I pray, Father, that you will continue the transformational work that you started in each one of us as you transform us to be people of character, people who are driven by compassion. Father, we're grateful as we gather around the table for your sacrifice. We worship and honor you now. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.